want to start a new series today, and it's going to be a little different. We're calling it Operation Activation, because I want to talk about activating the gifts of the Spirit, operating the gifts of the Spirit. And I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I think the guys are bringing out, um, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go just like, not all the way, but I'm going to go a little bit teach mode, okay, you all ready to go to class just for a little bit, and um, I, I, I want to I pull apart some passages of scripture that I believe are widely misunderstood, and um, last, last service we brought this out, and um, I used it like twice, so... It's more for the aesthetic than anything, I think. Um, no, I'm, 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 I'm going to try to use it. And so I want you to go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 6. And uh, this will really be our theme verse as we talk through this passage. It says this, for, the re- for this reason, Paul's writing to his mentee, Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, it is really important that when you look at the Bible that you actually read the entire Bible, all right? You actually slow down and look at what it says because if not, your whole theology will be, will be formed by TikTok blurps. Fan into flame, right? You can take one part and just go with that. The gift of God, that which is in you. This is interesting. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So some people say, man, it's just weird that people lay hands on and pray. Well, whether it's weird or not, the reason that we do it is that Paul wrote to the early churches and he said this is actually how he received the gift of God. There was an impartation of the gift of God. And now Paul says to Timothy, I want you to fan it into flame. So God gives him everything he needs, but it's his job to stir it up. Anything that is not stirred will become stagnant. And I just wonder how many churches or how many believers have never stirred up what God's given them so it lies stagnant. In, in church, it's interesting that, that for, for a lot of churches, that the, 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 whoever's on the stage becomes the focal point because they operate in some type of gift. But the reason that that is such a focal point is just because that we have not activated and stirred up the gifts in us. Because this is, I'm not the only one that can have gifts. You've been giving gifts. We've been giving gifts. There's not one part of the body that's more important than the other part. We are the body of Christ. And Paul says to Timothy, I want you to fan into flame the gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. So I've probably been prayed for by thousands of people by now. When I see a gift of God working, Sean Smith last Sunday, Pastor Benny Perez the Sunday before, I ask them all the time, hey, we just, we just lay your hands on me and pray for me. Why? Because Paul said to Timothy that there was a gift that was imparted to him. How? By the laying on of hands. That gift that is in him has to be stirred up and activated. You, you, ever, you ever realize there was something in you that you, you didn't know? You know, you ever been at a, at a big sporting event and like, it's very climatic and then you like, you know, you lose your mind. You're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that was in me. Or if it's on the, the, the other side of the, the spectrum, it's like your kid's game, you know, and the referee's bad. And then you like, you know, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that was, I didn't know that was in me. It's not a surprise to me anymore. I know it's in me. Okay. It's in me. I need to control it. It's just, it's there. 
But sometimes we don't know what's in us, but it's, it's there. Past baggage or past experiences or emotions, and it's there. Did you know that there are gifts of the Spirit that are in you? That need to be activated and need to be stirred. They, they, they've got to be stirred up. Now, when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, this is what happens is the whole room goes quiet because everyone's like, where's he going on this? What direction is he taking? Is he taking my TikTok theology or this guy's YouTube theology? Where are we? We're going to try to look at the, the Bible, which is a good place to go, and we're going to try to slow down enough to actually understand not someone's emphasis, but actually the intended meaning. There's a difference because you can find a scripture anywhere to support anything that you believe. You can just pick one out and say, yeah, this, this is it. This is how, you know, th this is what I believe. You have to understand the contextual or the, the entirety of scripture to really be able to understand what God is saying through his word. Now, there are a lot of passages of scripture that people stay away from because they're real controversial and people get confused. And I wanna to try to bring some clarity on who we are as a church and I hope in the process heal some of your wounds, maybe from experiences or mindsets that you've experienced uh, at, at different times in your faith walk that has turned you off to possibly what could be the most powerful thing that's available to you in your life. God's got purpose for you. He's got an assignment for you. But this is a crazy thing. He doesn't just say, go do it. He says, I'm actually going to give you gifts, or let's just say it this way, tools. I'm going to give you tools to actually help you. 1 Corinthians 12 would actually describe it like this, is that he actually gives us a grace. He, he, he gives us help to accomplish his purpose. So now Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame, so we know it's in him, but he has to activate it. Now I, now I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is everybody's like favorite chapter. Both sides of the coin for different reasons, different beliefs, because everybody picks something out of here for their, for their own purposes. I, I want to look at it, and I want to try to put it into context. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14 was written by Paul to the church at Corinth. All right, The church was chaotic. It was crazy. People doing crazy stuff, talking over each other, interrupting, people jumping up in front of the, the, the people and trying to teach or trying to prophesy or try to speak in tongues. And, and Paul's like, let me write some, some rules of clarification to make sure that the church is done decently and in order. So he, he pins in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you've heard about chapter 13, it's the love chapter, which is interesting that if a gift doesn't come from love, then it's coming from the wrong place. So the, the gifts have to be coded or surrounded or come from the foundation of love. In fact, prophecy is the overflow of God's heart to each of us. So if, if I'm prophesying, it's the overflow of God's love, his thoughts of love towards us that's communicated through another person. All right, so 1 Corinthians 14, verse one says, pursue love. That would change a lot of our lives if we just did that one. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So now this is Paul's command to the church. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So let me just help everybody for a second. Especially does not mean only. It means more than or in more significance or more focus, right? So some people have studied and are like, oh, yep, yeah, we're only supposed to prophesy. That's not anything what it says. 
It says, just eagerly desire the spiritual gifts and especially, or a little bit extra, that you may prophesy for one who speaks in a tongue. Anybody ever heard of tongues or praying in tongues? Some people are like, yeah, he's finally talking about it. Some people are like, oh God, no, get me out. In a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. So when you pray in tongues, you speak in tongues, you don't speak to people to understand, you speak to God, your spirit to God's spirit. It says, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Well, that's good. I like, I like that. The one who prophesies. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. So then people are like, well, oh, don't speak in tongues because you just build up yourself. Let me just ask you how much money you've spent in the last year building yourself up. I mean, that coaching class, was, was, it, was it really worth it? I mean, did it, like, did it build you up that much? Because this actually says this is the way you build up yourself. And then all of a sudden, the church goes selfless. And we're like, oh, no, I just want to do the gifts that build other people up. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I've been doing this a long time. Ain't nobody trying to just be focused on everybody else. We, are, we worry and care about what builds us up unless it makes us feel uncomfortable and then we can twist the scripture a little bit and say, well, I'm just worried and focused about other people. Uh, it's, it says that it still has value because it builds you up. And prophecy builds up the church. But I love it that all of you want to build up the church. I love that. That's good. Let's build it together. It says, eagerly desire. You know, you know when you come into a church, maybe for the first time, and maybe you're, some of you are for the first time here, and uh, we've already had awesome worship, and, and you're like, man, what's happening? Now we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, coming to church for the first time is sometimes like going on a first date, right? It's like, you don't know if you're going to be held hostage. Yeah. You don't know if it's going to be awkward. You don't know if you're going to have to call your friend to call you for an emergency that's not really there so you can get out. You don't know if someone's just in it for the money. Uh, you, you know, it's like coming to church is like, it's like your first day. So I understand that sometimes people like don't know like where do we stand. I, I, I want to clarify where we are. If this is your first day, let me clarify who we are so that we can help you. Because I'm going to tell you this, every church is not for you. So some people are like, I'm just holding on, Pastor. I disagree with everything you say, but I'm just holding on. Please leave. Because you need to go to a church where you can be a life-giving member and you can grow and be built up and build up others. Not everybody says that, but I'm telling you, you're going to be happier. And selfishly, I'm going to be happier if we all go to the place that we say, okay, this is who we are. This is what I believe. If, if, if you're playing on a sports team and you're like kind of on that team, but kind of on another team, you got to go. You got, you got to go. You can't, you can't play on both. You got, let's, let's put down our roots in where we are and say, yeah, this is our team. This is what we believe. But in order to do that, you have to know. You got to know what we believe. So I, I want to I help you. I'm going to walk through four verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 to just help us eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Desire is powerful because desire sets direction. So last night, 
uh, I wanted to go to Texas Roadhouse. I needed a steak from Texas Roadhouse. Jude wanted the rolls. I wanted the steak. And so I put in my GPS, Texas Roadhouse, right? On the map, you can actually put in, you can get on the wait list, right? So I got on the wait list, 90 minutes. I'm like, that, that's, not gonna, that's not gonna work. So I ate canes. <laughs> and I still feel bad about it. I, I, I should have. But my desire, to be honest, that was the first time I've ever walked into canes in my life. Okay, I've never, I've never been in. And Jude told me, he's like, it's actually really good. I'm like, man, I don't know. I've never been in this. This is a hostile environment. I, I did not feel good about this. But my desire set my direction. So for some of you, you've never operated in the gifts of the Spirit because you've never had desire for the gifts of the Spirit. But once you begin to desire them, it adjusts your direction towards them. So sometimes we never have Texas Roadhouse, for lack of a better example, because we've never had the desire for it. I never had the desire for canes. Still don't. So I never moved in that direction until desperation hit. And then now my desire for something led me in the direction of some type of food. So your desire is what directs you. So when Paul says eagerly desire, it tells us that there is a level or a measure that's available to you of gifts that is based solely on your desire. If it was just a gift, everything God has for you just gives you like that. That would be great, but then Paul would not say eagerly desire because you got it all. And he would not say fan into flame because if it's there, totally ready, why do you got to fan it into flame? So God gives us the ingredients or the toolkit, but then we got to stir it up. We have to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So our desire sets our direction. Now, in verse 2, it says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Now, I'm going to do this. Was someone trying to draw like a face on here? It's a prank. It's a bad smiley face, Chris. Tongues. It says, speaks not to men, but to God. Probably one of the most understood principles that we teach in Christianity, or the most confusing maybe, is the gift of tongues. Tongues, I'll give you a couple uh, words that are synonymous. Praying in tongues, praying in the spirit, praying your heavenly language, praying your prayer language, all those the same. So people say, well, there's one that's like tongues and interpretation, and then there's one for prayer. No, there's not. There's a heavenly language. You can feel, you know what's really cool about praying in the spirit is when you're native, some of you are like, where are we? It's okay, it's okay. We're not holding you hostage. This is not a bad first date, okay? We'll let you leave after this. When, when, when you have exhausted your native language of words to praise God, your heavenly language continues to praise him. I, I, I love that picture. That just after I've run it, God, you're great, you're great. We sang it 400 times. God, you're great, you're really great, you're really great. And then that, that next level is my, my prayer language that just continues to just praise God, spirit to spirit. It's powerful. But when I speak in tongues, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to God. Which is why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 starts to give some instruction. Because he says, 
we're in the context of the church gathering, I want to give you some ground rules so that people who are new unbelievers don't get confused or startled by you praying. So we, we tell our staff, we tell pre- speakers that come that sometimes listen, sometimes don't, that we, we don't pray over the mic in tongues because that's, there's a lot of unbelievers that come in and, and, and they would be confused. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in speaking in tongues. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. So he's confident in his ability to speak in tongues. Some of you are like, well, you know, all those gifts, they died with the apostles. Next time someone tells you that, just ask them where they found that in the scripture. Because I've asked a lot of people and no one's been able to find it yet. But apparently it's a pretty hot topic on TikTok. Right? In, in fact, some, some of the older people are actually getting into it too. It's like, oh yeah, they die. Where did you find that? Because everything I see in my Bible is that this is for you and your sons and daughters and all who are far off, which covers a lot of people. Or God is the same from generation to generation. Or he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or I am the Lord and I do not change. It's just, just like a couple things in there that speaks to the fact that what God is who he is what he's doing continues on so when i speak in tongues or i pray in the spirit i pray to god when i prophesy i'm gonna help you with something when i prophesy i couldn't spell it in the first service when i prophesy i'm not speaking to god i'm speaking to others So this is now the instruction to the church on how we build up the church. It is not pastors that prophesy. It's the body that prophesies. Now, some of you are like, whoa, whoa, we're going to start to prophesy because the only prophecy you know is on YouTube about how the world's going to end in three three days or three years or whatever it's going to be. No, New Testament prophecy is that we would be encouraged, that we would be built up, that we would be comforted. That's, that's New Testament prophecy. Now, God will use some people in some ways as prophets to foretell the future. But I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to tell you that you have to be, you have to be careful. Because a lot of people say a lot. In the Old Testament, when you got it wrong, they would stone you. So just throwing that out there. Um, in, thank God we're in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, under grace. Because everybody misses it because you're human. And God speaks to you through you. So that's scary. Because God's, when, God, when I say God spoke to me, that's got to go through me. Which is really good motivation to live a holy life, to be pure, to have a good thought life, to stay clean on the inside. Because God's word's got to go through me. So why is it important for the way that you live and the standard in which you live? Because if you're going to be used by God, God's voice, God's word's got to go through you. And we don't need you on it. We need it as pure as possible to go through you and to minister to others to build up the church. He he says that when you speak in tongues, you speak not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in his spirit. So when you pray in tongues, it's spirit to spirit. Now, I'm not going to be able to cover everything in these couple moments. All right? So I'm just going, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pique your curiosity. And then next week, we're going to go a little bit further. Because I, I, want you, I want you to understand that it's not as spooky or scary as you think. You, you know what makes the Holy Spirit weird? I've been saying this for a long time. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are. And if you were weird before the Holy Spirit, I'm exposing some of you because you've all been blaming the Holy Ghost 
on why y'all been weird. But if you were weird before the Holy Spirit, you are weird after the Holy Spirit. The contrary is also true. If you were normal before the Holy Spirit, you can be normal after the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't take you over, take your mind. When you prophesy, he does not take you over and cause you to prophesy. When you speak in tongues, he doesn't take you over and cause you to speak in tongues. The prophet is subject to the spirit of the prophet, so I can talk right now and I can stop talking. Same way I can prophesy and not prophesy, same way that I can speak in tongues or not speak in tongues. These are important to know. Now, some of you are like, well, I have a certain dialect of tongues that people in Japan can understand. No, you don't. No, you don't. When you speak in tongues, it's a heavenly language given by God. And I'll prove it to you that in the book of Acts, when they came out of the upper room and they all spoke in other tongues, the, peop- the Bible says that the people heard them speaking in their own language. Now, they were not speaking Arabic and Greek and all of the dialects that were in the world at that point. They were speaking in the heavenly language, but it says they heard them So the miracle was not in the speaking, the miracle was in the hearing. They heard them in their own language, and there's multiple different instances in Scripture where it points to the same thought that people hear them. This is tongues and interpretation, which we don't have time to get into right now. But it's that you hear them, or you hear something from the Spirit. But when you pray in tongues, you're speaking in a heavenly language. In the book of Jude, it says this is how you build yourself up in the most holy faith, by praying in the Spirit. Now, some of you are really interested in how to build yourself up, then you need to be really interested in how to pray in the Spirit. For me to prepare for a message, I pray in the Spirit. For me to prepare to speak anywhere, I pray in the Spirit. For me to prepare for a day, I pray in the Spirit. For me to prepare for a bank meeting, I pray in the Spirit. For me, Because I need to build myself up so that I can activate or fan into flame or stir the gifts of the Spirit so that I can use the toolkit that God's given me in order to be the person God's called me to be. Does this make sense? Tongues isn't scary. Prophecy isn't scary. It's actually really normal. It's really weird people that have made it all kinds of different ways that have got it all convoluted so now everyone's confused and everyone sits on different parts of the room where they say, this is true, that's true, this is true, this is true. Honestly, and this is where I'm like, I'm kind of like scared of how many times I'm finding this. No one group is ever right. It's usually right in the middle. It's, it's, a, little, it's a little bit of this and a, and a little bit of that. Everyone's like, everyone's supposed to prophesy. No tongues. And they don't read the part of the scripture where Paul says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. I'm like, you got to help me. you got to help me with this. Are we reading the whole thing or not? I literally listened to a pastor years ago that was preaching against speaking in tongues. And he says, I know you can find it all over your Bibles. And I know you see it all throughout the scripture. He says, but for us in our church, I highly recommend you not. I'm like, sir, that really sounds like forbidding. Which Paul makes pretty plain. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians was written to the church in the context of what was happening in the chaos. And he said, we've got to bring some order to this. So he says, if you don't have an interpreter, listen to this, and we'll get into this next week. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, speak to yourself and to God. He says, if you don't have an interpreter in the context of tongues, speak to yourself and to God. Okay. How do you speak? 
Not with your mind. You speak with your mouth. So he's not saying don't speak in tongues in church. He's saying don't get up here and confuse everybody. And don't speak over each other in tongues. Even if you're praying for someone and you're praying in tongues, you don't pray over them. You're praying to God. That's building up you. If you want to minister to them, prophesy. Now some of you are like, oh my gosh, prophecy. That's so intense. No, it's so simple and it's so beautiful. It is literally the thoughts of God expressed through a human. So this is what the Bible says. That New Testament prophecy, we can do our game plan right here later. I don't know if you can see that. That's a soccer field. There's a basketball field, baseball field. And I don't know how to remove it, so just go with it. If, if, if we're, if we're going to be the body of Christ, then it can't just be a performance that I try to put on a show for you, try to entice you to come back next week, stay grounded in your spiritual disciplines. It has to be a, a collective movement experiencing the presence of God together, building one another up. So this, this is the purpose of prophecy to, I'll make it really simple, to build up. Doesn't that just sound like encouraging to go to a place where you're built up? That's what the church should be. You should be a builder and you should be being built. I'm not the only builder here. You should be building and you should be being built build. The, pro- the purpose of prophecy is that we would encourage one another, that we'd be built up to, this is my favorite one, to stir up. Oh yeah. I like that one. I like that provoking. Some of you are like, yeah, we felt that before. Yeah, I like stepping on toes every once in a while because we need to, we need to provoke, stir up. You need to be stirred up. If you're just going where you're comfortable all the time, no wonder you're not growing, changing, or, 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 or becoming better in any one area. Comfortable workouts don't get you in shape. Comfortable Christianity. So stir me up. Provoke me. Step on my toes. Stir me up to the things of God. Challenge me. Put some demand on me to do something more than just survive, to just get by. Build up, stir up. Who have you, who have you stirred up? Because I'm not the only stirrer. You got, I, I got stirred up by myself on the video. I'm like, my gosh, I'm changing my message right now. I'm, I'm stirred up by me. Stir up. Then this was really powerful. Some of you need this. Cheer up. Do you know the purpose of prophecy in the local church is that when you came, you felt built up. You feel stirred up. Let's go. Another day, another week. Fulfill the purpose of God and then cheered up. So in John chapter 4, it's an awesome, awesome story. Jesus is sitting at a well. And he's sitting there, and if you know the story, it says the woman, this is really it's called the woman at the well. 
right? We know she has a name, but they call her the one with the problem. She comes in and starts having this discourse with Jesus, and she's there to draw water. And Jesus said, if you knew, which I love this, this is kind of like, this is like provoking. This is like stirred up. He says, if you knew the gift of God that was before you, you would ask me for a drink. He's like, he knew, he knew what he carried. He knew he had some tools in the toolbox. He says, man, if you knew what was sitting before you, I don't recommend you single people use that as an opener line. If you knew who, if you knew the gift of God that was before you, that actually might work. I don't know. I'm going to try it tonight with Jamie. If you knew the gift of God that was in your house right now, bring the band too because that makes it sound good. Nine o'clock tonight, guys. Uh, he has this conversation with this woman and he says, I'm going to give you living water. Water that actually will satisfy so you won't be thirsty again. I'm going somewhere. It's, it's all going to tie up, okay? This is, this is so cool. Jesus loves you so much. Pastor, we were just talking about tongues and prophecy. Yep, it's all going to tie up because the only reason God wants to communicate through people to you is because how much he loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. So the woman sitting at the well, she has this conversation with Jesus. Jesus says, I have living water. So that's satisfaction that lasts, fulfillment that lasts, joy that lasts, peace that lasts, real life. And they have this conversation, and, and, and he, he, Jesus says to her, you know, go and get your husband. And she goes, I have no husband. And then Jesus steps into his toolkit, and he uses a gift called the word of knowledge. And he says, it's true what you said, like, like she was, <laughs> didn't know. You, you told the truth about yourself. He goes, it's true what you said, that you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five, and the man you're with right now is not your husband. Whoa, heavy. It wasn't heavy. What Jesus did, he didn't condone and he didn't condemn. He uncovered the place of greatest pain in her heart. God never uncovers to reveal something in you, to expose something in you. God uncovers so that he can heal. So Jesus operated in the gifts of the spirit with the word of knowledge. He said, what you said is true, but also da 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 She's like, can't believe it. So she runs into town. And this is what, I love this. This is what she tells the town. She says, come and meet the man who told me everything I've ever done. Hold on. He did not do that. He told her one thing. Well, maybe five things, five husbands. But he didn't, he didn't go into detail about all these other, he, you know what Jesus did? When he exposed the place of greatest pain, he made her feel fully known. This is what's so powerful about the gifts of the Spirit. When you feel fully known, you, you don't have to know everything about me, but if you know the deep thing, I feel like you know everything. So the, the woman at the well thought Jesus, Jesus she's like, He's, he sees me. He saw the worst of my mistakes. He saw the worst of my life. He saw the worst of my decisions. He's come and meet. The whole city got turned upside down. 
Well, let me, I'll read it to you. It says in verse 39 of John 4, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Many from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Now check this out. The city was transformed by a conversation at the well where Jesus used a gift. And we're like, we're going to see city transformation. You know how we're going to do it? You in a cubicle next to someone else saying, you've had five, no, don't, no. You got you got to listen to the Lord. Listening to God and being used by God. In fact, the Bible teaches us that the job of the pastor, biblically, is to not be the gift. The job of the pastor is to equip the believers, you, for the work of ministry. So if we're going to see city transformation, we got to have some conversations at the well that we have to not just try to talk someone in to doing something, but maybe be the heart of Jesus that says, man, I see this for you. I hear this for you. I want to pray for you. I'm, I'm going to sit and have a conversation. I'm not condoning or condemning, but I want you to know you're known. You're known by God. You're seen by God. And I want you to know that God sees you, that he knows you, that he knows the deep and, deepest places of pain, that he knows your worst choices and the worst places of behavior. And he does not condemn it and he doesn't condone it. He loves you. He cares for it. And that, friends, is what the operation of the body, operation activation, looks like stirring the gifts so they don't have to come just in these walls to meet this Jesus. But that when they meet you at the well of your home or the well of your workplace or the well of your watering hole at Starbucks, or, that they would be ministered to. That's how we transform a city. People are like, oh man, the greatest band and the greatest building and the greatest, nah, the greatest body. It says, I am the hands and feet or the messenger of Jesus. I'm going to stir the gift of faith. I'm going to stir the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to fan into flame the gift of God in my life. I'm stirring it up. And this would be my challenge to you to go this week and earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Like, Pastor, I don't even know all the gifts of this, but don't worry about it. We're going to get there. Let your desire adjust your direction. And this week, if you just did that, you will see your life. I'm telling you, you will see your spiritual life change. If you get up tomorrow morning and you just adjust your direction, say, God, I, I want to I I speak for you. I want to hear you. I want to have your heart. If you just change that, you would find out that there's more in you than you ever realized.